Blog Talk Radio. Nonprofit 501c3 organization. And here is the mission statement. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to child abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, CSA. Presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Okay, and on Tuesday and Thursday nights, we have a Q&A call-in discussion show with a survivor professional using an open mic forum. We feature a survivor co-host who can field topics brought to the episode by you, the listener. So please call us with your topics and your questions and your comments and your story. The number to call is 646-595-2118. And Victoria is here. She'll answer your phone and welcome you in. And tonight's special guest is Cherie and Cherie White from Covington, Tennessee. Shree is the author of three books who uses her own story of being bullied and gaslighted to help those enduring the same abuse today. Quote, in sixth grade, I began a long lesson in the human-predator-prey dynamic and a battle for my dignity, 
safety, and my very soul, unquote. At first, she took physical beings named calling and abuse. Cherie was a victim of what is called polyvictimization. In just six months, she went from being a kid who always made the honor roll to an angry and bitter girl who made only C's and D's, quote, who could concentrate on schoolwork, unquote, she asked. Cherie attempted suicide at the age of 14, quote, because I felt powerless. I began to bully those who were even weaker than me in attempts to grab back some of my power. Okay, and with that, I will introduce Cherie. Please go ahead, Cherie. Hello, how is everyone doing? We are. I'm doing great. Well, that's awesome. In my neck of the woods, we are having a storm right now. Uh, It's starting to let up a little bit, but uh, earlier the bottom dropped out, and it was just nothing but a solid sheet of rain, it looked like. You couldn't even see uh, the the other end of my backyard. And, I mean, I have a big backyard, but still. (laughs) Oh, so. Well, I'm glad you're here with us. Oh yeah, I'm I'm here, and uh, I'm just uh, I guess I'm I wanted to say I started a new job uh, yesterday, oh. so uh, I'm <laughs> I'm still kind of uh, you know getting getting into the groove of that. Nothing to believe is that I start a new job tomorrow. Uh, say that again. I'm sorry. I start the new job tomorrow. Oh, and and what are you yeah. doing? I am doing estate sales. You know, when when That's... someone passes away and the family wants to sell the things, you go in there and help them. Right. And maybe while you're there, you can, you know, give them consolation and comfort because, you know, the loss of a loved one is is really taxing. Yes, it's it very is. heartbreaking. And uh, I remember when uh, I lost my last husband to suicide, going oh. through his things was the hardest. Because yes. it was those things that that he left behind, and they were they were parts of him, and, right. and it was the most it, it was the most it, it it just it just compounded the pain that I was already yeah. feeling. Yeah, because uh, you know I. I found him in his truck after he committed suicide. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Oh my. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's it, it it gets better. I mean, I'm remarried and uh but I I almost didn't marry this one because of the trauma that uh that I had from 
you know, finding my last husband. I I was just so afraid I I would end up burying another husband. Yeah. But my mother my mother talked to me and she said you've got to move on with your life. And you you can't spend the rest of your life being afraid. So, you know, once once she had that talk with me, I uh I finally decided, yeah, I'll I'll marry him because he's um uh, my the husband I have now, he he asked me several times to marry him and I kept telling him, "No, I'm not ready. No, I'm not ready. No, I'm not ready." And, and he chased me for almost 3 years. So, <laughs> I know, you know. I I know he awesome. I, I knew he was in it for the long for the long haul. Otherwise, he yeah. would have given up a long time ago cause, because I put up a wall with him. Yeah. I I mean, I fought him every step of the way. I wasn't mean <laughs> to him. I just put up, a, I was traumatized from finding my husband dead after a gunshot wound to the head. And oh. And it, you know, I just... I was to the point to where I I would never re- get married again, and yeah. it, it took a. I had to work through a lot of things, but uh, you know he we. I finally decided to marry him because, you know, like I said, he <laughs> he he chased me for three year almost three years. Wow. And, uh, and and we even broke up for a while, and he came back. You know, mm-hmm. we 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 ended up breaking up. I broke up with him for a little while, and then you know he he came back and and he talked to me, and that's when I decided to get back with him. And but he <laughs> he he put up with a lot of resistance. So I know for a fact that he's a keeper. Yeah. That's great. So tell me about your new job. uh, I'm working in home health. Nice. So, and and, and I'm enjoying it so far. Good, yeah. Boy, that is something that's needed, huh? Yes, yes, we we have a you know, we have a our aging population is growing. And uh That's for sure, yeah. You know, in the next in in, in the next 10 20 years there's really going to be a demand for it. Mhm. Hey, this is uh Victoria. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Victoria? Awesome. I'm doing really awesome. Um, I was going to say that, uh, yeah, I get uh, a lot of home health care services, and uh, I don't know what i do without them. I've been getting them for quite a while, and I was in assisted living, and, you know, it costs um, a lot less um, to have your family or yourself in uh, a home, apartment, whatever, and having services than it does a nursing home assisted living. And uh, I oh, just got definitely, out of, 
horrible assisted living situation. And uh, absolutely, let no family members. You know, if if your uh, family member is complaining, it's not just that they'd rather be in their home or whatever. Um, please investigate if they're saying they're not getting fed properly or taken care of properly or whatever. Because I didn't really tell my kids because I didn't get to talk to them much. And the times I did, I didn't want to like bring up all this bad stuff, you know. So right. The little bit that they do bring up, um, take notice. Uh, go there and check up when they're eating. Go there and check up when, you know, um, ask them, you know, when's the last time you had a bath? You know, just, just right. simple self-care kind of things don't get taken care of. And I've had so much better when I've been, in, you know, I've been on my own um, because I have workers that check up. They do uh, checks and balances, you know, the one will say, hey, how's your you know, um, PCA, you know, working out and how's this, uh, worker working out, you know, the other one might ask. And uh, right. the family can be involved, you know, as much or as little as they want. And, uh, you know, if, if, uh, I want my daughter to be involved or advocate for me, whatever she can, you know, and family members can set these things up and, uh, right. You know, it's, it's much more healthy, you know, and sometimes you can get round-the-clock care depending on the needs of the individual. And a lot of people don't know that. They're like, well, well i got to put her in a nursing home because now she's got Alzheimer's or, you know, well, uh, I forget. You know. Right. Well, I've worked in a nursing home before, and, and I can tell you I, I would never put my mother in a nursing home. And right. never. They're mm-hmm. bad places. They are very bad places. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the workers just don't give a crap, you know? No. They're no, nasty they places. When yeah. I worked at this nursing home, every time I would open the door to go in, mm. you know, the smell of urine and yeah. feces would about knock no. you down. It was awful. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people that say, I, you know, I got a family member in a nursing home. I don't want to visit them because of smell in there. Well, that I right there tell you, you should go in there. And check on them. No, if, if you don't right. want to get the smell in there, then what do you think they're living in? You know. And it really went downhill when COVID because um, I know this isn't your topic, but it did go down because of COVID um, because my caddy worker said she had all her clients are calling her and say, you know nothing is getting done and the reason being that the health department couldn't even go in those places your family couldn't go in your workers couldn't go in health department couldn't right. come in and so they knew that nobody was coming in to check on them right even so that, so they just so so they just totally neglected those those residents yeah, yeah because they're going oh, to get the awful. money right? that's awful that's awful yeah, yeah. Yeah, she said every one of her clients has been calling her, you know, and saying, I don't know what to do, you know. It's like, I don't know what to do. My hands are tied, too, you know. And then when right. COVID, the COVID ban lifted and people, you know, the health department go in, they weren't going in for people like me that weren't getting food on the menu, that were getting just junk, you know. They were going in the people that hadn't had baths for three months. And had bed sores and dying and all that, you know. So my concerns weren't even, like, on the list. Right. Of urgent, you know. 
Right, and, and a lot of nursing home patients died during COVID. That's right, and it wasn't from COVID. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't from COVID, but right. a lot of times, you know, people wrote it in that they died of COVID because yep. for each yep. death they were getting X amount of dollars. Yep. That's right. That's right. And the family never knew. Exactly. You know, and if people were dying of COVID, the family members couldn't even go see them and say goodbye. You know, my daughter right. took my mom in because she didn't have nowhere to go. I got a call. I was in the Lions Club with this woman, and she called. She uh, texted me on Facebook and says, "Could you call me?" And I found out that my mom was living in the back of her trailer, and she didn't have no air conditioning in there, and it was in Texas in the heat. Small little trailer with five dogs that had fleas, and they had put a tube oh. in her stomach in her stomach and she refused to put the insurance so she was getting weaker and weaker and sicker and sicker and I thought I don't know what I'm going to do you know I don't even have a place I can live I'm in a you know I'm in the system living myself so anyway um, I called my kids and my son got her to fly here and they weren't even going to let her get on the airplane the doctor said no she can't even fly and my daughter called him up and said listen we got somebody to put her on the airport there and um, I'm picking her up to the airport here and she's coming, you know, and, and this right. was, you know, well before COVID. But um, so my daughter got her and everything, and she, by the time she got here, she couldn't walk or nothing, you know. But uh, my right. daughter was working, and so was her husband. So they were able to get, um, through services here in Minnesota, they were able to get care uh, for her while uh, they were at work, you know. Right. But, yeah, but... Uh, you know, um, she didn't want to leave because of her five dogs. Now, who's going to take care of my dogs? Who's going to take care of my dogs? So this lady that from the Lions Club, she found someone to take the dogs that had, like, a big farm or lots of area for them to run in. So my mom was okay, you know. <laughs> she could come. <laughs> right. You know. Exactly. So, yeah. You know, so there's, there's a lot of different ways and. You know, if you've got somebody in a nursing home, find a social worker through the county and say, you know, I just don't want them living there. They kind of ended up there, say, after surgery or, you know, an illness or mm-hmm. something. And I want to get them, you know, into a, you know, maybe even a senior's apartment or something, you know, or, or you know, some kind of other situation where they can have income home services because I was supposed to have um, services there. But they weren't doing our laundry, and they weren't having any of the activities, and they weren't taking us to the places they were supposed to take us. And they would have, like, they showed my daughter this beautiful uh, menu, and it had uh, three home-cooked meals a day, you know, like French toast and bacon and eggs. So you get down there, and it's cereal. That's it. And then, you know, dinner might be, you know, roast beef, mashed potatoes, gravy, and green beans and a dessert. Well, that ended up being like a small little hamburger on a bun with either ketchup or mustard and about uh, eight french fries. And lunch with a corn dog and about six chips. You know, and that was all, none of the stuff on the menu was ever served. And when I finally said, what is going on? Why isn't this being served? They said, because the truck didn't come in with the food. Uh. But it was two and a half years I lived there. And then I got oh a service goodness. animal, and then everything went downhill from there. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. They've well, got, I'm sorry had you had to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. I am so sorry you had to go through that, Victoria. Yeah. And you know what? What the tip of the iceberg was is I just was so I was suicidal like five times there. And the last time I wrote on Facebook, I'm giving away all my stuff. Well, my daughter is the director of a dual dependency program out here in Minnesota. So it's like red flag, you know, like giant red flag. Right. And, you know, um, so anyway, she um, she tried to get a hold of me for three days, her and my son, and I just wouldn't answer the phone. Well, first she put on there, Mom, are you okay? What's going on, you know? And I went, oh, shit, what did I just write? You know, it hit me what I wrote. And so I went on there and deleted it like that would make it go away. <laughs> And then they right. call me and like, oh man, you know. And uh, they've done wheelchair checks on me before, and I've ended up in the psych ward. And problem with that is nobody would have been fighting for my service dog, you know. So anyway, right. um, you know, they finally got a hold of me, and my son said, uh, "Hey, mom, I'm thinking about investing in a property in Minnesota. You think you can live with dad?" And I thought about it a few minutes because we've been divorced for years. We're good friends. And uh, I said, yeah, I guess I can live with Dad. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing for a little over a year now. And I tell you what, my life is so much better. And I have a service called um, uh, Housing Relocation, and they've been with me the whole time. And uh, they check, they were checking on me every day in the morning, finding out what my schedule was, and you know what I was doing, and how I was doing my meds, and what services I got. And then they were coming out once a week, and they still are doing that. And they call me three times a week now. And it is, you know, they'll help me, like, if I need, say, to go to the food shelf or need to find clothing or some other service in the community, the senior center, whatever, you know. And so there are things out there, I guess what I'm trying to say, that we don't even know about, you know. And, And I asked a social worker one time, you know, I'm telling these people that, I come in contact with, oh, yeah, they have this, that, the other thing. And I said, why don't you tell people about all those services? And she says, well, that would be like opening Pandora's box. You know, she said, everybody be rushing to get services. We just don't have enough. And I said, "Um, wait a minute. It sounds like you're blaming the people that need the services. You know, maybe maybe the issue is you need to do some more you know, getting some more funds to provide these services <laughs> instead of blaming the people that need them. <laughs> right. They don't like when I bring up things like that. <laughs> well, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Because it makes them, it makes them look bad. <laughs> right, right, right. They're like, no, no, no. You know, we discussed at meetings and uh, we just don't tell people. Unless they ask for it. Well, how do you ask for something that you don't even know they have? <laughs> right. But, you know, but when you're, you've got somebody in nursing home or something, you know, and say, hey, I'd like to get in the home, you know, what's available for this or what's available for that? And I just got hooked up to this mom's meals, and I'm getting them, and I get one meal a day, which, you know, is one healthy meal a day. And I was looking at it the other day, and I went, boy, this would have been great to get even one of these meals a day from that nurse assisted living I was 
But when I went in there with my daughter, they told her about all the stuff they do, all the stuff I told her they didn't do, and the meals, you know. Oh, this is our menu, three hot meals a day. And then for um, for snacks, we got a little teeny, a little teeny tiny snack bag with like Cheerios in it. Right. That was our snack. You know? mm. and, yeah. and my doctor's going, we're going to have to put you on an insurer. And I said, I'm getting 100 for a month. I don't even know how you expect me to get insured. I'm trying to supplement at the Dollar Tree food. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. So I'd be running over the Dollar Tree and get these, you know, packages of sausage or pot pie or whatever so that I have something a little right. more to eat. But, you know, 104 don't go very far, even at the Dollar Tree. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to throw that in there. But, you know, it's like night and day where I am now. i got a nice big yard. i got a big deck and, you know, a house. And, uh, right. you know, it's it's just uh, a miracle when uh, your family does help you and uh, realizes the needs that you have. Absolutely. That's a blessing. Yeah. And then also I wanted to bring up that, uh, we're having the script conference in Los Angeles, which is uh, NASCA and uh, another woman um, that does the radio show for some reason. Her name escaped me, and I'll think of it later. But, um, oh, Dr. Deborah Brown, who's going to be um, at, she's one of the main organizers. And uh, it's going to be on Thursday and Friday, and it's free. You guys can get out there. Uh, just go on uh, the website or contact me. My number's on the website. Anyone can call me. I'm the Minnesota ambassador for NASCAR. And uh, oh, I'm flying okay. out tomorrow morning. Got to be at the airport at uh, my my flight leaves at uh, 6:30 in the morning, and uh, I'm heading out well, there. Congr- well, congratulations. Yeah, and I'm staying till Monday, and I get to meet Annie because she's in California. Yay! We're going to hang out. Oh, that is awesome. It's nice when you can uh, match up a name and, uh, um, you know, voice to the person. (laughs) Right. You know, you can see faces on Facebook, but it's nothing like being able to meet somebody. Like in person, right. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like in person. But I tell you what, one thing that did come out of the pandemic was... uh, was uh you know these zoom meetings and in more people connecting with each other other ways right Um, um, there's a lot of lonely lonely people out there we just want to invite everybody um that's listening or will be listening in the future some other episodes whatever that um we do have a uh, uh peer support zoom meeting three days a week on tuesdays thursdays and sundays that um, any sur- adult survivor of child abuse may join. And it's no professional oh. over there. It's just, it's, you know, just, it's us survivors. <laughs> and, you know, right. it's real open to what you want to talk about, whether it's your childhood, whether it's what you're struggling with today, or anything in between, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, that so is I awesome. Put a plug in for that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot going on, and also on the website, nasca.org, we have 
40 different programs on there. One I wanted to mention, too, is um, we have one on there that's uh, protecting our children. And if you go on there, there's a little video you can watch with uh, with your kids or your grandkids or nieces or nephews or whatever, you know. And uh, I suggest to watch the video first and then say, okay, we're going to watch this video. And if you have any questions during it, raise your hand. And I'll shut the video off and we'll talk about it. Because, you know, a lot of times kids will watch something like that. And by the end of the video, they don't remember what the questions are. <laughs> so Why? you can get, you know, pretty good discussion up. And it's about body safety and, you know, talking to your parents and things like that. So we have a lot of good information on that. Um, and we also have a lot of tools if you'd like to go out and speak. You know, whatever your organization is, you're welcome to use our literature and, you know, help other people and help other survivors. So, you know, there's a lot on there, and you can contact any of the ambassadors, or Bill has his number on there as well, who's the founder. And, uh, you know, it's just, I definitely just will in the future. I will check that out. And yeah. I might want to come out there and speak in the future. It won't yeah. be this year, right. but... I will definitely. Well, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely. I definitely will in the future. I would love that. That would be fantastic. Yeah. And then I put on events. I have a grassroots organization. I put on events in April, Child Abuse Awareness and Prevention Month, and October, Domestic Violence Awareness and Prevention Month. And I also do a Zoom thing along with it. But um, for the child abuse and domestic violence, I have. Uh, clothing that I've asked people to send me and um, it's either children's clothing or adults and uh, writing messages of how you felt or thoughts you had when you you know were a child and being abused or thoughts you have in reflection now um, or so a message you like to give of hope you know maybe a child can say that or an adult survivor and uh, I have a huge clothesline uh, full of clothing and my dream is to get a trailer and haul that thing around to all different events, you know. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, it you know, to me it's really important. Is that big? Huh? It's, a, it's big enough that it requires a truck, huh? Well... That's my dream. <laughs> it's gonna retire. Oh, that's the, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got about three bins full of stuff right now. Nice. And then, and then the stands I use to stand up to put the clothesline on. Uh huh. I think I got eight of them that I had a friend make for me, and they're wooden. And then I hung my clotheslines uh-huh. on them. Maybe you could do a video and then we could all see it. Yeah, yeah. My daughter did one on uh, two years ago on the on the Zoom um, thing I did at the park, and she went up uh-huh. to every single one of them and you know did her video while while we were doing the speakers. And we we did our speakers from speakers from all across the world, and uh, we did on a Zoom meeting, so everybody didn't have to come out here to Minnesota to do it, you know. Like I said, it's just opened so much up for us. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it, it's really important that, you know, we connect with each other and find out what's going on and what we can attend or what we can attend on 
you know, Zoom or Facebook or whatever people are on to, you know, that they're doing. We want people, you know, if you're listening and you've got something that's going on, let us know because uh, we have a calendar of events. We also have, if you go by your state and even your city um, on NASCA, you can find uh, therapists, you can find support groups for adult survivors. There's just a whole bunch of information on there. Right. Yeah. So, you know, let's connect and let's make changes and let's especially acknowledge, you know, survivors. Every single one of us That's is right. a miracle just for making it to the day we're here, you know. Absolutely. And things might be rough or whatever, but think of all the days you made it when you didn't think you were going to. And here we are. <laughs> there you go. That's not a feel I got to get some that out. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I'll let you go ahead. <laughs> Give the show back to you. No, no I wanted to. Uh, uh, I saw a movie last week. Uh, it was called uh, Sound of Freedom. And it was about the uh, child sex trade, sex traffickers. And uh, the movie was very, very powerful. It had me in tears. I'm not going to tell you, you know, any details about it because I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but uh-huh. it was very profound. Oh. And I, you know, I just, ooh, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been the same since. Uh-huh. And, and there's a lot the name of again? Sound of Freedom. Yeah. Sound of Freedom. It's got cool. uh, um, it, it, it's got Jim Caviezel on it, and it's about the child sex trafficking, and it's about this guy that uh, that was an agent, and he quit his job to go on his own and rescue these kids who were being trafficked for sex with pedophiles. Is it on Netflix or where do you see it? Well, it 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 was in the theater, uh, you know, in my area Uh, last Friday, last Thursday. Last Thursday was the last night it was in the theater. Uh, I think uh, I think it's still playing in places like Georgia and a few other states. But uh, it's not playing here anymore. Okay. Well, I'll look for that. But uh, anyway, um, it it was uh, Mel Gibson uh, worked with uh, Jim Caviezel on the movie. And it, it's just... It... it, it it was it offered a more it was a more realistic uh, movie about this agent going in and rescuing these kids who were being trafficked for sex. I'm talking kids is as it a young true story? as yes, it is. Oh wow! Uh, it should be out. It should be out on DVD. Uh, probably in either September or October, because okay. someone, a friend of mine, 
a friend of mine who wanted to see it didn't get to the theater because she had to work. She works nights. So she asked me to uh, look and see when the DVD uh, version would come out. And I looked it up, and it was either September or October. I can't remember. I it's pro- I do know it's in the fall. Mm-hmm. So... And, yeah, and, and I, also have, I also have two videos on uh, YouTube with the Ms. Texas show. Um, and uh, the woman, uh, Ms. Texas, uh, Eileen Don got a hold of me and uh, um, asked me if I'd tell my story about being used in uh, prostitution. And uh, so I ended up uh, doing that with her. And then uh, the following year, she got back a hold of me and said, boy, everybody wants to know how you're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> of all the stuff I'd been through, you know, like, how's that what I'm doing now? You know, <laughs> and right. uh, she wanted me back on. That's right when I found out I was going to move and everything, and I was real positive that I would like to have you on right before Christmas. She said to give people hope, you know, that things can turn around in people's lives. That's and, right. Uh, so I did another video, but. I caution people on the first one, the part one, um, that it's really, really intense. And uh, to be cautioned, of course, not to have children around in the room. And second of all, you don't watch the whole thing. I would not be offended because it's it's some pretty tough stuff, you know. And uh, not that my experience is, you know, more or less important than anybody else's. It's just I just kind of want to warn people, you know. <clears throat> right. Well, I, you know, I can uh, I can imagine that you you probably had to work through a lot of trauma before yeah. you could get to where you are now. Oh yeah. Yeah, I ended up um, being diagnosed with uh, 31 personalities. Um, right. With DID, was MPD at the time. And ended up with 13 years of intense therapy um, from baby alters all the way up. And uh, ended up uh, seeing a psychiatrist, a psychologist that um, was the head of the psychiatric department at the Hennepin County Medical Center here in Minnesota. And uh, she worked with me 13 years intensely, sometimes twice a week, um, dealing with my MPD. And uh, I don't. I guess the term is integrated, but you know, I don't really know. Really like that. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, um, I don't split. How's that? I, I still, you know, kind of go off and kind of like a dreamland, like dissociate, but it's not into a whole other identity. I think a lot of people can relate to, you know, disassociation. Matter of fact, my therapist says that pretty much anybody disassociates. Like, you're going down the road, you know, and somebody said, oh, did you see that farmhouse you passed on the way? Well, we don't take in everything, you know. Why? And, and it's same with, you know, our lives unless we're really, all of a sudden something really traumatic happened and we remember it and, you know. Um, right. I think I think the dis- disassociation is your mind's way of protecting you. Yeah, yeah. Your mind can only handle so much information, and and for me, 
Um, I mean, I literally thank my alters for being developed, you know. Our mind is just amazing that it can do that. Right. That that it could protect us that way. Because there's too much information, you know. And uh, (coughs) I I went to my therapist and I said, oh, my God, I'm doing worse. I'm having nightmares and flashbacks and memories and, you know, on and on. And she goes, actually, that means you're getting better. I said, what? (laughs) She said, because you're in a safe enough place that you can remember this stuff. And I said, well, I don't feel like I'm getting better. She said, but you are. And I said, well, how about if I come back next week and you could tell me the same thing? (laughs) I'm not buying it. (laughs) I sure didn't feel better. But, you know, it it is a process. And, and, you know, healing from abuse is is not easy work. It's not easy. It It was much easier for me to go, you know, have some drugs or alcohol or go gambling or shopping or whatever to, you know, to not deal with. Exactly. With that and that, and, and unfortunately that, that's the path that a lot of people, a lot of survivors take. Yeah. And I was suicidal. And the thing is, is now they call it died of suicide instead of committed suicide because it's like dying of cancer. It's a, you know, it's a disease, it's an illness, it's a, you know, it's traumatic. If somebody believes the best option is to die. You know, I didn't want to die. I just wanted the pain to stop. Emotional, Absolutely. physical. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, uh, I think that's, uh, uh, that's, that's the deal, you know, when, when someone dies of suicide, it's not that they want to die. They just right. want the pain and the heartache to stop. They don't want to live like that they, anymore, you know. Exactly. Yeah. You know, every time, you know, just like in that assisted living, like I said, five times. I mean, seriously, I I wasn't like, oh, you know, this is really sucks. You know, I don't want to be here. It was like, I don't want to be here on this earth because, you know, when you're in that kind of crap, you feel like you're never going to get out of it. And I just want people to know you can get out of it. You can get help and really reach out to professionals, reach out. I ended up putting myself in the psych ward. I don't know how many times. Because it scared me that I wanted to die. Because, like I said, I really didn't want to. But I wanted the pain to stop, and I found ways. And um, I got 36 years of sobriety, you know. And, and everyone's like, oh, my God, you must not think you're using anymore. But I do. And I go to meetings, and I say, hey, I'm still struggling. Because I want people to know that it's not, you know, just all of a sudden you don't think about drinking anymore, you know. There's people that got 10, 15 years, and all of a sudden they're back out there because right. they didn't share what was really going on because they were afraid to. They're afraid to tell people. I've heard people tell me. I was afraid to tell people that I was still struggling. You know, stopping drinking and drugs is easy. Living life on life terms, that's the hard part. Or it is for me. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you're still with us, and I'm glad yeah. that uh, you're finally in a place to where you can relax. Exactly. I made a meditation area in my yard, and I go down there at least three hours a day. Maybe not, you know, all in two, three chunks, but I go down a little bit. You know, all of a sudden I'll just get overwhelmed and go, okay, that's enough. But even in the assisted living, I have one little space that I went to that was like my space, you know. And and just, you know, 
I always say prayer and meditation. Praying is just asking for help, and meditation is listening for the answer, but we got to quiet our minds down enough to listen. Exactly. Because I believe everybody has the answers inside them. We just don't. We're, I just say I never heard my inner voice because it's been squelched down so much my whole life. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to get me a drink of water. Sounds good. (laughs) I usually have a a, a bottle of water beside me when I do these shows because my mouth mouth dries out real easily from talking. Yep. Are you there? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're getting really crappy signal. Oh. I think it's because of the storm. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. We're just lightning, lightning real bad. Wow. Annie, are you still with us? I am. Huh? Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, yeah, I'm here. Okay. Checking. Do you hear this thunder? No. No. I don't. My computer keeps going off, so I can't see if anybody else came on. Yeah, sometimes y'all sound scrambled. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, do you have a on speakerphone? Uh, what what was that? Do you have us on speakerphone? Uh, yes, I do. That could be it. Okay, let me go back inside. I had to let the dogs out. Kitty. Aww. Yeah, I got two. I got two dogs and two cats. That's nice. And they're and and they're chasing Roscoe. I have to get on to them because they're chasing him. He's in bad health, and he's an older cat. So, but then we I have Sable, and now he, I can't hear you. He was a hearing all. Huh? Oh, I wasn't able to oh. hear what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I've got two dogs and two cats, and Roscoe is old, and the dogs like to chase him, and I have to get on to him. Then I've got <laughs> the the kitten, uh, uh, Sable. She was a kitten when we got her. So, anyway, she's pretty feisty with them, so they don't mess with her too much. <laughs> yeah. I've got I've got two dogs. <clears throat> the one I had at the assisted living was my service dog, and uh, got him and um, I'll help Borpoos, and continued to until I left. And uh, anyway, um, I just recently got a little girl, and uh, she's just born in November, so she's pretty young, and uh, she's just she's just a lover. <laughs> she's a little sweeter. Well, both of them are really, but. Um, She's going to go into heat for the first time, so 
I got her some diapers on Amazon, and they got the little skirt on. <laughs> so my male dog goes to that because I want to breed Bashans, but um, you know you got to wait for over a year, otherwise it's not good for the dog. And right. so my son, my son was in town for two weeks, and um, and also for his birthday, which is cool. He just turned thirty-eight, and uh, he was in town, and uh, um. I uh, was Googling a cake recipe and ended up getting a virus in my computer. <laughs> well, he, do, he does computer stuff, so he came over here, and I was going to go pay to get it done because I didn't want, you know, him to, because he goes, how would you do that, Mom? I go, oh, I really don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, he ended, he ended up getting the virus out, and he goes, you Googled a cake recipe, Mom? You know, like that. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. So we're at the party, and his foster brother was there, and he says, my mom's the only one that I know could Google a cake recipe and get a virus. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, but he was here, and him and his girlfriend took the uh, twins game, and we just had a fantastic time and got to have his birthday party. Normally he doesn't stay for his birthday. He always comes out and beginning of July, 4th of July, he likes doing fireworks show. And uh, we got to go up to his foster mom's house. She's got another house in Florida they're moving to. And uh, she's got a place up in northern Minnesota. We went up there and it was just gorgeous. And it's just it's just so nice because when my kids went in foster care, um, I kind of lost touch a little bit with them, and then I ended up living with my mom a while back, and uh, she was she went ballistic on me and lost track of my kids out there. And so uh, 2010, I came back to Minnesota. There's also a YouTube video on that, me being homeless out there, and came back and have just got kind of re- reconnected with my kids and. You know, everybody's like, oh, that's wonderful, but you know what? It takes a lot of work um, with any type of relationship, you know. Um, so, you know, for me, relationships are really hard. <laughs> My daughter's like, why are you getting emotional all the time, Mom? And it's hard to tell her that, you know, I have panic attacks and anxiety, and sometimes I just have to leave the room. And uh, hard to explain to people sometimes. So I'm really grateful for NASCA because I feel like I got a NASCA family and I'm, I've made friends through NASCA that I wouldn't have otherwise made, you know, going for these radio shows and the Zoom meetings and the, just connecting with people, you know. Like I said, our numbers, a lot of our numbers are on there on the website and uh, you can call anybody. You don't have to be in that state um, to just, you know, talk. You're having a hard day, hard time, even if you're having a good time, you know. Um, we're there. There's some people that are night people, and I think they've even got it in there that they're night people. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't have a real job. I'm a professional volunteer. I have been since 85. <laughs> and I always say, uh, yeah, I like being a volunteer because I usually don't fire volunteers. And then here's aging myself. You know, even if you can't do what they what you signed up to do, They'll uh, at least put you on licking stamps. <laughs> no, it's probably not probably sending emails. You know the fact that it was licking stamps. 
Like I said, I kind of date myself there. <laughs> but I really enjoy volunteering with NASCA. And, you know, if, if anybody wants to volunteer with NASCA, um, you could really use the help. And, uh, you know, you don't have to jump in right away. You know, you get your feet wet. There's, you know, all kinds of different things like uh, Annie and I tonight doing a radio show and, We've got a newsletter we're trying to get going, and, you know, there's just a lot of smaller tasks that you can do as well. So uh, if anybody's interested, you know, get a hold of us as well. And uh, Bill answers all his emails, and his email address is on there. Um, Give him a call or whatever and find out more about what NASCA does. Um, And if anybody's a survivor, adult survivor of child abuse that wants to tell their story or know somebody that would, you know, get a hold of us too. Uh, they can go on the website and see which shows are open and uh, just pick a show or pick a few shows and, and we'll get you signed up to come on. And if you want to tell your story, um, <clears throat> we, uh, you know, we're, we're really good to, <laughs> to the, uh, the new people that come on and tell their stories. We, uh, um, you know, you're not going to get drilled for um, details or anything. You share what you'd like to share, and it does help other people. Did uh, you want to talk about a topic tonight since you're our guest and I'm not? (laughs) Well, I, uh, I really can't think of any tonight. I just, uh, I do want you all to pray for me. Anyway, I'm having some health problems. Okay. I've sure. got to. I'm sorry to hear that. I've been battling stomach ulcers for years. And I've got to go in uh, at the end of August to have some tests. Yeah, I was going to have the test done uh, June the 26th, but... Uh, Something came up. The doctor was uh, had an emergency in his family, and they had to postpone it until August the 28th. So just pray for me. I've been having a lot of pain. Oh my goodness! Absolutely, for sure, do that. And you know, I'm I'm having some pain now. That's why I've been, you know, more uh, more silent than usual. So. Uh huh. You just, oh, we're sure glad you, you know, could come on, and you've been on before, and we really appreciate you coming back. And also, all the guests that we've had on, we're going to try to reconnect with and get people to come back because we kind of, you know, kind of dwindled out stuff, I think, around uh, um, the pandemic and stuff. The epidemic, I'm not sure what we call it, but anyway, it was pretty bad. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people uh, were really struggling and uh, I know that, uh, you know, when when they first told us that, you know, we couldn't go out and stuff and this and that, that, um, you know, my concern wasn't I couldn't go shopping. My concern was um, all those children that were trapped inside their houses and didn't have no way to get out to connect with teachers or doctors or, you know, right. their, their um, community programs they were involved in and things and, you know, right. where, the, where they could get help and, even longer of a period where they're with the abuse 
and um, conditioned to be quiet, you know, even on a right. heavier level. And then, you know, the bars weren't open, so all people that were drinking that had drinking problems and were abusive um, were at home. <laughs> they could get the liquor, but... <laughs> and, you know, there was a lot less uh, connections for people to... Exactly. To you know? Right. And and now we're seeing those numbers for domestic violence and child abuse are just really, really escalating. Um, and, uh, Absolutely. You know, and a lot of people weren't able to go to their therapist or, you know, things like that. And it's not the same when you got a doctor appointment, you know, over over a computer as opposed to going in, you know. Um, you know, you put your kid in front of the computer for, you know, whatever the 15, 20 minute appointment is and, you know, tell them, don't say nothing. <laughs> right. And then, you know. Threaten them before and after. <laughs> so yeah, there was a lot, a lot going on, and uh, we don't even know how much. Uh, I don't think we're going to know for quite a while. Uh, we're not. We're not there. You know. You know, the uh, the people who are supposed to tell us aren't aren't going to tell us. Right. right. Uh, and, and it'll probably be. It'll probably be years before we know the extent of it. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of them didn't make it. Because, you know, here you got somebody that's already abusive. And, you know, I know a lot of a lot of survivors I've talked to said, you know, at least when I went out to the church group or I went out to school or whatever, I got away from it, you know. Right. And, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Even during during the pandemic, yep. During the pandemic, uh, you know, incident incidences of abuse just skyrocketed because yep. there was nowhere for there was nowhere for them to go. Everybody right. was locked down. Yeah, it, it was just awful yeah. on everybody, but especially yeah. victims of abuse. Yep. Yep. You know, and then I hear people say, well, you know, abuse is going on. I'm pretty sure that kid's being abused. But I'm afraid of the parents, you know. And I said, if you're afraid of the parents, think of that little child who's so vulnerable, you know, and in that house. Um, you know, exactly. you might be their only voice. You might be their only voice. That's right. I mean, I've heard ton of stories by adults that said, oh, yeah, there was a kid in the neighborhood, and uh, we knew that kid was being abused. We knew that kid showed up at school every day with dirty clothes or bruises or whatever, you know. And, and right. I said, well, didn't anyone do anything? Well, no, they were just that kind of family or that kind of kid or whatever. And I said, you know what, there's no throwaway children. We can't have throwaway children. That's right. We can't. Absolutely. And then a lot of kids that were being abused or whatever, like my daughter told me, she says, Mom, unless you're dying, do not go to the hospital because you could get sick from COVID, you know. So think of all the kids that were being abused and, you know, didn't go to the hospital, didn't go to the doctor. 
Right. I just, I, I, mm. I just, yeah, I, I just can't. It just, it leaves me speechless. Yeah, me too. Well, speechless, let's get a new topic. What do you say? <laughs> do you go. have an idea for a new topic? No, I I really can't think of any right now. Can How can we you, talk about can we talk about the value of pets in healing? Because I oh, lost a pet and so that's on my oh, mind. Definitely. Yes. You wanna share any what has happened? Yeah. Yeah, I have a cat or had a cat that I've had for like seven years, and he was a rescue cat, so we didn't know how old he was or anything. And he passed away on Sunday after several weeks of illness. And it was really awful because he was just, he was just lingering, and I just wanted it to be over, and yet I didn't want him to die. And it was it was a very emotional and difficult time. I'm glad I'm so sorry, Anne. Yeah. Thank you. I am so sorry. Thank you. You know, I still have one cat. Yeah, I've lost a lot of pets too, and I and I know what you're talking about. You have those mixed emotions about seeing them suffering and. Um, you don't want to lose them and, and you get those mixed emotions and you're not even sure what to do with them because you're trying to attend to the animal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So you how are pets alike? I know you mentioned that you didn't know um, are you going to do a ceremony or are you going to do something to you also got your memories. You got a happy memory of the cat? No one is of sure. my cat? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, a lot. I was I wondering took, if you I might have a happy memory. I was wondering if you might have a happy memory you wanted to share about the cat. a happy memory of my cat sleeping with me. I always felt so honored that he would choose that because you know how independent they are. I I just felt honored. Yeah. Yeah. And he loved to escape and go outside. Did you want to to share about how that uh, helped your mental health? I'm sorry? Did you want to share about how they help your mental health? Because that's kind of was the topic. Oh yeah, totally. Because I I have felt unloved a lot in my life, and pets give me unconditional love. And I'm like, especially my dog. I'm like the whole world. She just loved me so much, and it feels good to be loved that way. 
I feel like, yeah. yeah, I am a really good person and I deserve love and I have it from this dog. And my mm. cat. But cats are less, you know, yeah. that's all mm-hmm. he's about. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I actually um, had a service out here. They they uh, pretty much um, stopped the service because they ran out of money. But they were helping people that had, um, like, vet bills and different things that were either disabled or seniors. And I was talking to them one time, and they said, uh, you know, people that have pets are much healthier because they'll get up because they need to take care of their pet. They need to feed them or take them for a walk or, you know, uh, take the litter or whatever the situation is. They're more likely to take better care of themselves so that they could take care of their pets because they're like, I can't get sick. Who am I going to have my watch my pet, you know? And uh, That's it's right. just kind of interesting that way where, you know, just like with people, a lot of times we'll help other people more than we can help ourselves. But with a pet, um, like you said, that unconditional love is just amazing. Matter of fact, you know, every once in a while I got little dogs. Every once in a while if I, you know, step on their foot or whatever, you know, five minutes later they don't even remember it. <laughs> you know, they're out there sitting by me and kissing me and playing with their toys and, you know, and, and I'm still saying I'm sorry. <laughs> they don't even remember it. And I feel so bad and I'm like, Hey, look, they don't remember, you know. <laughs> I mean, obviously, abusing an animal, you know, outright abusing them is, of course, not the same way. But, you know, uh, but like you said, that unconditional love and uh, just just having a cat. I had some cats one time and, you know, they would just come up and rub against you. And, you know, it's just like, oh, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. so nice. <laughs> And just having something else, you know, a pet in the house, you know, it makes you feel not so alone. Someone to talk to. Oh, yeah. Yep. Exactly. Matter of fact, I read this one meme and it says, uh, I don't go on Facebook and tell people my problems. I just go out in my yard and tell my squirrels. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. You know. (laughs) <laughs> I feel that way sometimes too. <laughs> Even though I don't take back or nothing They're, they're willing to listen <laughs> I mean there there were days that You know when I had my service dog And I was so frustrated with the way I was being treated At assisted living you know I'd say You know I'd say things like Oh man I'm so glad you're here And I just need to sit on the couch and relax That was really a troublesome time and he'd come over and put his head on my lap and just like you know like he knew it was a rough day you know <laughs> yeah Thank and then one time I had, I had ribs and I had um, some broccoli and there wasn't much on the ribs but anyway I had to get up and go to the bathroom and I came back and he had eaten all the ribs and he had taken one piece of broccoli off the plate and sat it on the couch and he was sitting there looking at me like Thanks for the ribs, but what the hell is this broccoli? <laughs> <laughs> he kept looking over it, looking at me. <laughs> and you can hardly get mad at him when you leave a dog. Yeah. 
so I'm really blessed. I had uh, two service dogs that uh, were Pomeranians, and, I mean, they went everywhere with me, and I'd be depressed for three days, and they'd just lay in bed with me besides me taking them out, you know, but besides that. And uh, anyway, um, I ended up having, I got sepsis and pneumonia and turned into sepsis, and I was in the hospital, nursing home, this and that. Anyway, long story short, I had lost my dogs, and I finally found somebody that would take them and uh, promised me I could visit them. And the day I dropped them off was the last day I ever saw them. So it took me two or three years before I decided to get enough service dogs because I was so devastated, you know. And yeah. then I had that assisted living, and they gave me hell and kept telling me how to get rid of it. And uh, I had to get a display law attorney and fight them, fight them, fight them, fight them for, you know, two years. And I was, good I was so exhausted, you know. I mean, every time I turned around, it was, you can't have that dog down here getting your medicine, and I have a right to, oh, you're going to make the rules around here now. No, it's a federal law. And, you know, it was like fight, fight, fight all the time. And then one time the staff came up, was holding the door open, and I said, you need to either come in and shut the door or just shut the door, don't come in, you know, whatever. My dog's going to get out, and sure enough, he started to head out the door. And the staff lifted his foot and was going to kick him in the head. And thank God I lunged and picked him up. Just a little teeny Bashan, you know. Um, oh, my he really, Yeah. And uh, I said, what are you doing? And he said, he was going to bite me. He just was passing him by to go downstairs because that's where he went potty, you know, outside. And uh, didn't even come near the guy. Didn't bark at him, growl at him, nothing, you know. And so I was dealing with that left and right. And then, uh, you know, they didn't want to take, we were supposed to go over and get our COVID testing at the other building they had. And they weren't going to let me bring him in the van. We don't want that dog in the van. I said, first of all, he's a service animal. And second of all, I have a right to take him wherever I go. And so then, you know, they finally, finally let me take him. But they would go on, you know, outings just occasionally. And they would go knock on everybody's door except mine, and they would all of a sudden be gone. Hmm. I even had a worker come in and said, I want to go with you. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know the next time. And they never did. Oh, there was. Oh, you know, and then they came into my apartment, the owner, the director, and a staff, even after the two letters, the uh, the um, disability law attorney had sent them and started screaming at me. Get that dog out of here, the owner said. If you don't get him out of here, um, you're not going to live here anymore because I don't want that dog in my apartment, you know, and left. And so I wrote um, an emergency letter. I wrote um, urgent on the subject line and just basically just, you know, shortly outlined what had happened. And uh, they violated my disability rights, my human rights, and my civil rights by the way they treated me. And I plan on doing a a lawsuit, and I'm trying to get my facts together, but I tell you what, it's like reliving it all over every time I think about doing it. And uh, it's become a very big stress. But if you do do a lawsuit with the disability rights, um, they'll put it on their website so that other people know what their rights are as well. Right. 
is really important to me. And people don't know that, you know, people have PTSD and the psychiatrist was willing to write an emotional support animal, but you deserve a service animal, which you have a lot more rights. The dog does not need to be trained, except for not, not to go potty or poop in a, you know, a place that you're in. Um, they can go anywhere the general public can go. They can go on an airplane. Um, they don't need a service vest. All you need is your paper. Nobody can ask you why you have that dog, you know, or that service animal. They can say, you know, what qualifies you. And uh, the only qualification, according to the Americans with Disabilities Act, is you have a service animal because it comforts you when you have a panic or anxiety attack, and that is it. Does not need any training because the dog's consent. And I know that everybody that's cat, pets, that those dogs can sense when you're having a hard day. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, I would talk to my dog and he would just jump right up. I'm on a Zoom meeting and I'm having a hard time and crying. And he comes over and starts just kind of um, tapping with his paw on my shoulder, you know, kind of rubbing it a little bit and then starts kissing me. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And, yeah. I mean, that is just awesome. That is yeah. just precious. I mean, he just knows. And, you know, I was going to bring him with me uh, to California because he can, they can ride right, right with you on the plane. They don't have to go in a crate, you know, by the engine, you know, <laughs> and wonder where you are. <laughs> I had a dog that I put on a plane with me and was totally traumatized by the time we got to the other. And he was never the same. Never this. Oh, yeah. Bless his heart. I had to go to the psychiatrist. They were going to give me a emotional support animal, and I copied off all the information about a service animal and highlighted stuff and say, you know, I can get a service animal. And if you won't write me a letter, then I guess I need to find a new psychiatrist because I have a right to have one. And so Mm -hmm. if I do get a settlement, um, I am going to start a website to help people that have PTSD understand what their rights are. And I even, for this um, place I lived at, uh, photocopied the part that said, um, your rights having a service animal assisted living. And I printed it off, I underlined it, and I highlighted it. And when she gave, the director gave me a hassle about it, I said, I've got the papers upstairs. I'll bring them down. She says, I don't want to see your goddamn papers. Ah. And continued to tell me I couldn't have a dog in the apartment. How dare I bring a dog in there without asking the owner? I said, first of all, he's a service animal. And I had brought papers in three months before saying I could have one. And they said, oh, you want to get a dog? And I said, no, I'm getting a service animal. And she said, well, who's going to take care of it? And I said, well, I am. Gee, you can't even take care of yourself. And I said, well, that's why I need a service animal. And I turned around and walked up to my apartment, you know. And and they just gave me hell left and right. I mean, it, we can't come up and clean your apartment because they're allergic to the dog. I said, it doesn't matter, Corey, Americans with Disability Act, which you kept quoting. You guys have to provide services. You have to find somebody to do it. And they just wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? That's, I was just tired of fighting 
And I just thought the hell of it. I'll do my own cleaning and I'll do my own laundry, which they're getting paid for through the federal government. Then they try to kick me out. They wouldn't renew my lease because of my service animal. And uh, I says, well, you can't kick me out over that. It's federal law. So three days later, they come up with the idea that I don't qualify for their services. My caddy worker said, of course you do. We wouldn't be paying them. You know what? And then I, I, you know, said that. And they still um, decided they were going to kick me out for that reason. And so my daughter called up um, and said, um, I hear you're trying to kick my mom out. They said, yeah. And uh, she said, well, I can't kick her out because of COVID. So that was the law then. So the next year, they tried to kick me out again. And my daughter called up. And they said, she said, I hear you trying to kick my mom out again. Yep. She says, well, my mom said last year that you were going to kick her out because she didn't qualify for your services. Yep, that's right. My daughter said, well, that's really interesting because you've been getting federal caddy waiver money for a year. My mom don't even qualify for your services. Well, that shut him up right there. You know, and my daughter says, we're trying to find a place for my mom. Can you just keep her hell? And so they would only give me a month-to-month lease, which worked out because then I wasn't because it's a whole year lease, and, you know, my kids got me a place, or my son got me a place to live within about five months from then. But, you know, I have a lot of witnesses to all this. Well, I hope you file that lawsuit, and I hope it is yeah. very successful. Yeah. Well, I found because... out that, to begin with, I have to um, file a complaint with the human human services, civil rights, and uh, the disability rights. And then I can do my own lawsuit. And uh, I need someone to help me organize it because I went down to the government center out here and they gave me three packets of information of how I go about doing this lawsuit. And I tried to get an attorney to help me. And the only thing they know about service animals is are you blind? Was the dog trained? You know, they don't even understand the law about it. But when I started having this problem, I called the Minnesota Law Center. They gave me the Disability Law Center. I thought, oh my God, I got to call them and leave a message. And you know, this isn't going to happen. I'm going to lose them. And the next day, I got a phone call, and the woman was just amazing. She said, I'm your attorney. And she was up and down all the laws and says to me, it's like somebody that needs a wheelchair. She said, you need the service animal like somebody needs a wheelchair, you know, and, and backed me the whole way. I mean, she just was just amazing. So, you know, don't give up. Fight for what you deserve, whether it's a service animal, whether it's a service, whether it's, you know, um, um, that you need food or, you know, you need uh, um, to see a psychiatrist, whatever. You know, don't give up if it feels like, you know, there's no way. I always say, you know, every time somebody, you know, tells me it can't happen, I know it can. And I tell people, don't reach for the stars, reach beyond. Is anything possible? You know? As a matter of fact, one person said, and I don't know, I'm not going to, this is not mine, but somebody quoted uh, 
everything's impossible till it's done. You know. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do it on your own, ask for help. You know. That's and right. if somebody says you can't do it, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> exactly. You know, follow your dreams. And that's why we have dreams. Well, evidently, the people that uh, were giving you a hard time over these, uh, over your service animals, mm-hmm. they obviously don't haven't don't know about patients' rights, right. or they do, and they don't care. Right. Right. But the patient has rights. Always yeah. remember that. Yep. And then they, um, one lady said that if, if they saw the, um, uh, health department saw that when we would go in and get our medicine, the nurse wasn't filling our med, um, containers and the staff was taking them out of the bottles or the containers and giving them to us. She said that we are not supposed to be doing that. And, and we could get shut down for that. We could shut down for not serving the food. For serving this food, you know, um, that's right. Out for this or that, and they'd have the door open, and patients would come in, and staff would come in while you were getting your meds, and the director would be talking, telling you what people had for diagnoses, mental health diagnoses, physical diagnoses. They'd be talking on the phone to the doctor and discuss discussing the clients that were there. I mean, just violation after violation. Right. And and I'm just trying to get it all down. Matter of fact, I had a friend of mine that I wrote a whole bunch of stuff down, and she typed it up for me in some sort of an order because I was just flopping around like I am now. And uh, anyway, she said she was traumatized just typing it up. <laughs> and knowing that I'm her friend and that I had gone through this, you know. Right. Because she went through a lot of it, you know, in bits and pieces is what I was going through. But, of course, didn't hear it all because you only share so much. And uh, so it was pretty much pretty detailed. Gotcha. Yeah. But I just said to her, you know, I really need help because I'm having trouble taking this up. Because, like I said, you're you're reliving it. Every time. Exactly. You know, Every time I think of doing something about it, I just get overwhelmed. It's not that well, I... I know, I know you probably um, you probably dread the hassle and the rigmarole that comes mm-hmm. with uh, filing a lawsuit. Am I correct? Yeah. yeah. And then wondering if the judge is going to, you know, if I'm getting enough information for the judge right. to make a decision, you know. It's not like there's exactly. a jury or anything. It's it's going to be the judge that decides. Right. Go ahead and file that lawsuit. I mean, yeah. you'll you never know until you until you do it. Yeah. Well, I went down the government center and I got all the information, and then she told me that if I want to talk to an attorney about my specific case. And and felt I can go in there and talk to them about my case. I got to get there like you know first come first serve in the morning, and uh, right. I can do it either on a Tuesday or Thursday. And uh, 
they'll talk to you about your specific case and like, you know, help you fill in what you need still. And uh, so I plan on doing that after I get these uh, complaints filed with uh, um, the three places I have to for the three different rights they violated. Why? And so, you know, I'm putting it together, but, you know, talking like tonight and to other people about it, you know, it gives me more confidence in doing it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You have to do it so that all the other people won't be taken advantage of. Exactly. Exactly. And mm-hmm. nobody's like, oh, you know, they don't want to say anything about a place they got out of because they're so grateful they got out of there, you know. But um, yeah. and other people are afraid that if they say anything, the people that are in there are going to have no place to go. They're going to be homeless, you know. And uh, exactly. they have to help relocate those people, you know. Right. And and they don't deserve to be treated that way. I talked to one woman, and I said, do they still got those menus on the wall? Oh, yeah. Are they serving what's on the wall? Absolutely not. She had to get a part-time job to even afford a microwave and then to afford the food put in it. She's still working that job because she can't eat the food that's served there. Right. And I get dietary needs. And they says, well, we're not just cooking special for one person. And all it is is, like, not putting spices on food, not serving me pizza and spaghetti, which is, you know, common for them to do. Right. You know. That's just awful. Yeah. Got to be smartless people. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the guys, you know, who's uh the mother and father own the place, his mother and father, and so he works here too, and he says to me, you know, the only time you come in here is to complain. And I said, well, if you guys are doing all these violations, I could come in here and say something good, but I just don't have the time, you know? <laughs> right. But there was one staff member that, you know, and she wanted to quit too because... She ended up getting COVID, and the director told everybody she had COVID and that she didn't get a shot. And then she ended up being out again, and she told everybody that she had gotten COVID again. So all these are violations of the HIPAA laws, you know, sharing information about the staff and the residents. Exactly. Oh, definitely it is. Yeah, Yeah, not only that they – not only – can they be sued, but they can be criminally prosecuted. Right. right. Yep. Well, I mean, they're the rights. And one time, five days, I didn't get my inhaler. And uh, a whole week, I didn't get my antidepressants. And I called up the pharmacy oh because I knew which pharmacy they used. And I said, you know, I don't understand how my antidepressants. And she goes, well, we sent them last week. And I argued up and down with the nurse about that they had them. No, we didn't get them. We didn't get them. We didn't get them. And I said, will you please check? And went to the back up, uh, cupboard, and sure enough, that's where they were. Mm. Oh, my goodness. And I'm one that knows what meds I take. Can you imagine the people that don't? Wow. 
My goodness. It's bad to go off your antidepressants for a week. It was horrible. Right. And I was already depressed and, you know, and having a horrible time. And I was asking every day, where's my inhaler? Where's my inhaler? You know, can't breathe. Where's my inhaler? Yeah, that's a lawsuit. You go yeah. ahead and you file that lawsuit. Yeah. And then you let your, you know, make sure you pick a good lawyer. Well, I don't need a lawyer. Um, I can do it on my own, I found out. Oh, okay. And that's the way I'm going. Um, because every gotcha. lawyer I've talked to, like I said, just doesn't get it. You know, they're like, oh, it's a service animal. Are you blind? Has this dog been trained? You know, they just... You know, and I'm trying to explain to them what the laws are, and and they just, they don't get it. But, you know, right. I've been fighting with everybody tooth and nail. My workers, I've had to explain. Um, my family members, you know, everybody doesn't get it. They're like, right. oh, you mean I'm a support animal. And I just got tired explaining to people. So now somebody says, I don't think you're right on that. I'll just say, you know what, you look up in the Americans with Disability Act, and if I'm wrong, uh, would you let me know? Give me a call because I don't want to be wrong. You know, I have not one back with one person. We're about ready to run out of time here. Yep. We just got a few seconds left. So I'm going to say thanks, everybody, for being here tonight. Thanks, Victoria Kelly, and thanks, Sheree White, and I'm Annie Marches. And this has been Scan Radio, Stop Child Abuse Now, brought to you by NASCA, the National Association for Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. Virginia, Thank you, Annie. I'm not near the computer. Can you hit the music? Thank sure. you, Annie. Yeah, thanks, everyone. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank yep. you. Y'all have a good night. Yep. Everyone have a good night and come back again. And my computer just went out, so um, I don't even know if we can play the music. My computer just went out. Um, but um, I'm going to um, close yeah. with uh, something um, something different. Let's see if I can find it. Um, this is the NASCA serenity prayer. It goes like this. Please grant me the serenity. Uh, to stop beating myself up um, and not seeing, uh, not doing things perfectly. Uh, the courage to forgive myself because I always try my best and the wisdom to know that I am a good person with a kind of. And so we'll close out the show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, All right. Everybody. Bye, yep. Ron. Right. Bye, Victoria. Bye, Bye. Bye. Bye-bye, Annie. Bye-bye, Victoria. Bye.